Lead me to some soul today. Oh, teach me. Hello, uh, welcome everyone to episode number three of a series of episodes that we're calling Leading Others to Christ. Uh, during these episodes, we'll be focusing on evangelism. And what we're trying to do with this is, is several things, but we're trying to stir us up to love and good works, especially in the area of reaching our friends and family with the gospel of Christ. Uh, my name is Dan Barker. I preach for the Creekside Church of Christ in Franklin, Indiana, where I also serve as one of the shepherds. Those of you that know me know that I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm passionate about evangelism, uh, and I have been ever since I obeyed the gospel when I was 21 years old in Owensboro, Kentucky. And I've always been striving to learn. And still, you can see I'm an old guy, but I still, I'm still learning uh, how to teach others, learning how to, if you will, fish for men, how to sow the seed, how to make disciples, how to be useful for the master. You could go on and on with thinking about passages uh, that talk about this. Um, but that's, that's one of the main goals that we're trying to do with this series of, of interviews. Uh, but one of the main goals is also to identify those Christians, wherever they may be, uh, fellow workers who are reaching others for Christ. And we want to learn more about them. We want to know how are they doing their work of leading others to Christ. And today, we're excited to have with us Caleb Churchill. Caleb preaches for the Prospect Park Church of Christ in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, welcome, Caleb. Hey, thanks for having me, man. Yes, sir. It's, it, I know we got on just a few minutes ago, but uh, haven't seen you in a long time, and, and it's so good to see you again. And and uh, your name keeps coming up as I talk to different ones, so people are aware of, uh, of you and, and the work that you're doing. But, you know, I was, I was trying to think that, um, and see if I'm right on this, I was trying to think about when we first met, and it must have been like 2009, 2010, was that yeah. was that when was that when you were at University of Kentucky? I came to University of Kentucky in the fall of two thousand eight. Okay, that, yeah. Okay, so uh, I know that you came obviously and came and worshipped with us at the Fayette Congregation there in Lexington, and and I also remember uh, even as a young guy, as a college student, you were teaching classes. Uh, but uh, but I remember one of the things uh, you and I think your brother uh, Colin uh, went over to the University of Kentucky and got permission from the dean to set up a Bible study class. Uh, you remember setting that up? The UK Bible study club. Yeah, we had that. Yeah. Yeah. UK Bible study club. That was, that was really good. So, uh, but why don't we do this? Um, uh, give us a little bio about yourself, where you're from originally, are you married, you have kids, you, you know, where, you know, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. I grew up in, uh, in Indiana, actually, not too far from where you are in Columbus for most of my childhood. I went to Kentucky. Um, was it two years at UK um, doing grad school and then um, joined a program called Teach for America, which sends people to teach in low income, low performing schools across the country. I, I joined that hoping to go to New York because while I was at Florida College, I met um, a new Christian there named Roger Polanco, who wanted to go back to New York to teach his friends about Jesus. And, uh, and so I joined Teach for America, hoping they'd send me to New York City. So I, I've been in and out of New York for the past 15 years, so it was 2006, and even before coming to Kentucky. So when I joined Teach for America, I was hoping they'd send me here so I could help with some of the churches that were um, here in the city and join the work that Roger and, and uh, Gardner Hall and others were doing up here. 
But as it turned out, they sent me uh, to deep, deep South Alabama. And I spent a couple of years down there in deep South Alabama. It was good times, really good for me. Um, and then after, uh, after that finished, I came to New York City. That's when I reconnected with Lindsay, um, this girl that I met in Florida College. And we ended up spending, uh, spending a little bit of time together. She came up in the hurricane and got stuck in New York um, during the hurricane. So we, we ended up started dating a year later. We got married. And uh, then now we got three boys. Life has changed a lot. We spent five years in the Bronx and now two years in Brooklyn um, working with churches here. Um, so it's been fun. Well, that's, uh, that's great. Yeah, there's some things there that I didn't know. And uh, I remember Roger Polanco. I remember when he came to Lexington one time. I remember meeting him there. And uh, uh, that, that's all really good. You know, I, uh, now th this video is going to show uh, probably, we were probably on May 18th. Okay. And of course, right now, today, you know, we're right in the middle of this uh, COVID-19 uh, uh, stuff, this pandemic. And uh, so I don't know what it'll look like or what the scene will be whenever we, uh, whenever we show this. But um, maybe we talk about that too. I mean, there you got you and your family and the Christians are there. You're right in the middle of the hotbed of this pandemic. And, uh, uh, and I noticed that even yesterday, there were 777 people that died uh, of the virus yesterday there in New York. So what, what's been going on with the mind of, of you and the Christians there with all this? Uh, and how's it affected your work? Well, I'll be honest, I'm really thankful. I feel like the Lord has been preparing us for this for some time. I think in spite of the great hardships and the suffering, and there's a lot of pain and sorrow here right now, um, I've been really encouraged by how the Christians are handling it and how the Christians are turning to the Lord and trusting the Lord and, um, and relying on Him. And I, I really do see a lot of good coming out of this. So uh, it's really an opportunity for, for disciples to kind of shine light into the darkness and help people who are, um, who are really struggling to cope with uh, which how could you cope with this if you didn't have the Lord? Well, I, several things there that you said I, I really appreciate. Number one is the uh, uh, to look at this uh, through the right lens, if you will, like you said, to see the opportunities that are here. Uh, you and I were talking the other day about some Bible studies that we've got set up and that, that we're conducting right now using Zoom. Uh, two weeks ago, I never had done that. You right. know. You know, all studies have been face to face, and, and so this has opened up for me and and a lot of the older preachers that are going to have to learn how to use the, the new technologies. A lot of them do, but the, the young guys need to help step, you know, help us to, uh, to get better equipped to use these tools. But um, right, and it's not it's it's not a uh, it's not as if um, this is an ideal setup to do stuff over Zoom or over over the internet. But at the same time, it's it, it is an opportunity to reach more people, and we've had. I think we, I think our studies have doubled in size uh, over, since we went into quarantine. Um, we just had a lot more people coming through. All every study that we do um, has uh, has increased in size, and most of them have, have doubled in size. So it's really been an opportunity to reach more people with the gospel. You know, uh, that's fantastic. Why don't we go there? Tell us a little bit about because we're trying to to, to learn and, and motivate others about uh, leading others to Christ. <clears throat> And, and we touched, you and I talked a little bit yesterday, uh, is that, you know, we're, we're trying to do this certainly in a positive way, but there, there needs to be uh, an awakening. There needs to be a, a revival, if you will, or an awareness of just what our responsibilities are as Christians in, re in reaching the lost. And uh, I'm afraid in some places, uh, somehow that, that's kind of been pushed in the background. Mm -hmm. what, are the, what are some things that you're doing? <clears throat> you mentioned studies that you're having. 
what are you what are some things that you guys are doing there that that is working well so it all starts with just uh you know helping people to reach the people who are there and so at this point really in brooklyn um i most of the contacts that we get don't come from me directly they come from other people who are bringing people to hear the word and probably about half our contacts last time i checked about half our contacts come from online just people joining the meetup group but then probably over half of our half of our contacts just come through word of mouth as people are being encouraged by those uh, studies they're telling other people about it and bringing other people too well um again uh so many good things there and just uh uh, you know, we, we these meetings go fast, but just to think about meetup. I mean, there's so many places that they've not tried that. I know there are many that are, but and again, I, I was going. I had this as one of the questions about New York, uh, and I've been there, you know, a few times. But obviously, New York's different from Columbus, Indiana, right? It is quite <laughs> or different. Or Lake Kentucky, or where right. I grew up in Owensboro, Kentucky, but. But you know, I just you know just think about that environment, the the, the huge population. The blending of all the cultures, the language, uh, the nationalities, the customs, the traditions, right? Right. And, uh, and to get people to sit down like that, but but you're finding even with that, people are interested in spiritual things, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, people are hungry for the gospel, and especially in a place like New York, where you've got a lot of poverty, you've got a lot of immigrants who come in who are searching for something, some sort of meaning in life. And you know, part of being an evangelist is learning to uh, to figure out what people are searching for. And helping them to see like how uh, empty it is and, and kind of pointing them to something better. And so, you know, that's an easy thing to do with people here uh, who are particularly um, foreigners, outcasts, poor um, and struggling. It's, it's, it's a little bit easier to help them to see like, hey, you know, I need the Lord. I need help. I need, uh, I need something in, in my life that's going to satisfy me. You know, I think, I think the wealthier we are, the more challenging that is. And, and especially not just wealthy, but also like... Uh, the more um, caught up in the corporate uh, world of pursuing power and, uh, and money and that sort of thing, the, the, more, the more distracted we can be. Uh, but a lot of people that are lonely and poor and uh, struggling here, uh, we found are, are really eager for the Lord and eager to learn about the Lord. Well, you know, and, and it, isn't it sad because I think maybe in some places, uh, sometimes we, we look at, at those folks and don't see an opportunity. Yeah. Uh, when and, and but uh, let's talk. Let's talk about this for a second because it's obvious that you're doing. You said a lot of these people you don't you didn't know them and and, right. and the people that you have met. They're you. How are you teaching them or equipping them to be interested in helping others? Because that's what you right. That's part of this whole process of right on or sharing what we have learned. So how well, how are you getting your people to do that? Yeah. Well. So um couple of things on that. One, I think that's really important. That is part of the role of an evangelist, according to Paul in Ephesians 4. God gave the church evangelists for the equipping of the saints. Well, what is an evangelist supposed to be equipping the saints in? Evangelism. Um, and I think, so it starts there. For a, for a long time, we struggled in New York when I first started coming here. I think because we didn't get that. And, uh, and some of the evangelists, uh, we, we were more trying to do all the evangelism ourselves. We've, we've noticed a big change in terms of uh, in, in terms of how useful we've been in evangelism when we started to give more attention to actually equipping disciples to do evangelism themselves. So a lot of that is um, we do workshops. We try to do workshops often here where we'll meet together and, uh, and talk about how to do evangelism, talk about struggles we face in evangelism, talk about how to share the gospel, 
um, kind of work on the craft and just remind each other about the importance of uh, evangelism, the importance of sharing the gospel. I think that's a, that's a big part of it is like helping people to kind of work through what is it that's keeping them from doing evangelism? What are the struggles they're having as they're trying to share the gospel? But also we do a lot of events in different ways and uh, throughout the year we'll be doing, we've done events in, in big parks here. Um, Prospect Park is like Brooklyn Central Park. We've done events uh, uh, one summer. We did uh, an event every last Saturday of the month there in, in, in the summer. Um, we do stuff, big events in libraries. And so giving people opportunities to bring people to hear the word. And I think especially giving people opportunities to come and hear about Jesus without feeling like there's like going to be some strings attached. So that's one of the reasons why we try to do a lot of this outreach. We don't do it um, in our church meeting space. We try to keep it separate from that because, one, we're not trying to point people to the church. We're trying to point people to Jesus. And if they're, con- if they're converted to Jesus and if they, if they are committed to Jesus, then they'll be part of the church. Um, but, uh, but then, two, uh, a lot of people, particularly in New York, I think, uh, and I think this is a problem in many places, are skeptical that there's like some sort of ulterior motive. You know, maybe you're trying to get money out of them or something like that. So, uh, so offering things free of charge to the public in public spaces, going to where they are, rather than making them come to where we are, we found has actually had a big impact on giving people, uh, or, or at least encouraging people to, to at least hear out the gospel and, and give it a chance. I really like that. I think that is, I think that's so good. Can you believe it? Our time is almost up, but it's what we've been doing with this so far is uh, calling it the one thing. So with all that you've learned so far, and so if somebody's watching this, and they realize, or they come to realize through study, uh, that they need to be involved in, in trying to reach others. So, if you could, if there could be one thing that you could help that person with, one thing that they could do, one thing that they could focus on to help them to get motivated in evangelism, what would that be, Caleb? Um, well, all right. So that's tough, but I'm 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 gonna, I'm gonna give you one like big picture, and then maybe try to make it a little bit more practical too. Um, okay. So, so like big picture, evangelism comes from loving the Lord. And the only way I'm really going to grow in evangelism long-term is if I continue, if I'm continually deepening my love for the Lord. I mean, you know this to be true. We all know this to be true. The things that we love in life, we don't have to force ourselves to talk about. They just flow out in conversation. When I was at UK, um, you didn't have to come to church and say, you know, now I'm going to talk to somebody about Kentucky basketball. You know, everybody's just talking about it. Why? Because they love Kentucky basketball, and so they're going to talk about it. It's going to come up in every conversation. Uh, maybe not every conversation, but in most conversations. Here in New York right now, it's springtime. Um, springtime's a big deal here because our winters are ugly. You don't, have to, you don't have to force me to talk about uh, the, different, the different trees that are blooming right now, the different flowers that are coming up. If you spend much time with me, I'm going to talk about it because it's important to me. It wasn't when I was younger and I grew up around that stuff, but now that I'm here in a concrete jungle, you know, it's the, seeing the, the beauty of the flowers and the trees coming out, it's a big deal and it's really special. But my point is, like, when you fall in love with something, like, you don't have to, for, you don't have to schedule, like, now I'm going to talk about it or now I'm going to go and, and share the good news about springtime. It just comes up in conversation. And I, I think the same is true with evangelism. If we really learn to love the Lord, then he'll be coming up in, in almost every conversation. And so I, I think on that, really, I've got to be working every day to, uh, to develop a deeper relationship with God. Uh, and, and then as I do that, uh, I'll find ways to, to get the word out to people. One thing practically that's helped me a lot in evangelism since moving to Brooklyn is, uh, is learning not to pack my schedule. Um, sometimes we've got so much going on that we're just running past people 
and not we don't have any time to actually interact with them or have conversations with them. A lot of opportunities for me in evangelism here in Brooklyn have come in my neighborhood where people are always hanging out. And I was, when I first came here, I think I was too busy, just always running every place. I didn't have time to have a conversation. I've learned to slow down to like actually like leave more room in the schedule so that when I'm coming home, uh, if, if, if I'm not in a hurry, I have an opportunity to sit down and actually like, hey, I can stop and have a conversation with the guy I just met on the corner or have a conversation with my neighbor who's sitting on the porch. Um, and, and all of those things give me opportunities to, uh, to talk to people about the Lord. And you can, you don't have to be in New York to do that kind of stuff. Like you can, you can talk to your neighbors. You can spend time when you see your neighbors out in the yard, you can go out and have a conversation with them. You know, you can, um, you can go to public spaces where you know people are going to be and try to develop relationships with them and try to talk to them about the Lord and try to invite them to places where they can hear about, hear about God. I think that's a big part of it. Um, just learning to really love the Lord and love people is really at the heart of, uh, of what evangelism is, is all about. Well, that is, that is so good. You know, at the start of this, I said one of the motivating things we're trying to do is to, to motivate people to stir up love and good works in doing yeah. that. And that you just, you just kind of gave a, a real good synopsis of what that looks like and sounds like uh, and, and put it in practice. So we're, you know, we're, uh, uh, and I think we can say this, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you and, and Lindsay. I don't think I've ever met Lindsay, but I'm looking forward to it and meeting those three boys too. Yeah, we're, we're looking forward to having you in New York. Just don't, don't come right now. I'll give it a couple of months, you know. <laughs> I agree. I agree with that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but this is, uh, again, uh, now there's going to be people that are watching this uh, that are going to learn about you for the first time. Uh, and they, they might say, you know what, I'd like to talk to him some more. Would it be possible if people wanted to reach out to you? And if so, how would they do that? Yeah, of course. Well, so one thing you can do is, uh, is you can always email, email me. Um, my email is calebchurchill22 at gmail.com. So people can drop us an email. Um, you can also follow stuff that we do. Uh, we, we have a uh, Facebook page. Uh, it's called The Way BK. Um, so The Way is what the earliest Christians were called in the, in, in the book of Acts and uh, then BK for Brooklyn. Um, we have a Facebook page. We have a YouTube page um, where you can see stuff that's going on there um, as well. And, uh, and, and, um, certainly, you know, people, I invite people all the time, come up to the city. You know, the best thing about the city is not the, not the, uh, sites downtown, the, uh, touristy things. The best thing about the people is the Lord's people who are here. And, uh, so come up meet the Christians here, see what's going on. And I think most people that have grown up in rural Indiana, like I have, have come up here. It's a, it's an encouraging thing. It's, it's definitely new. It's different. It's scary because it's not, not everything. At least that's how I felt when I came up here. It was, it was very different from, uh, sure. from uh, the life I lived growing up, but it's a, it's a beautiful opportunity to, uh, to kind of meet people from all over the world. That's one of the beautiful things about doing evangelism here. I tell people, this is the best place for a, for an English speaker. This is the best place in the world to do evangelism. Because I don't have to go to all the nations. All the nations have come to me. You know, they're all right here. <laughs> uh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. With, with this whole idea of going to the world, you, you just go out your front door, right? The world's right, right. there. That's yeah. right. We got, I mean, we got probably five different continents represented in, in the church here, um, just in Prospect, in, in the Prospect Park Church. So uh, it's a blessing. Uh, yeah. That's, that's, uh, we might have to do another uh, interview sometime, follow up on this. But uh, that sounds good. hey, thank you so much. And, uh, uh, for those that are watching, uh, you, you, hopefully you'll, uh, you appreciated uh, everything that Caleb shared with us today and that we will all pray for the work there. Is there anything that, that we, if, 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 if anything, something that we, if we wanted to help, 
if we wanted to help the work there, is there anything that we could do? Any listener that's listening? Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a lot probably, but more than we have time to talk about. But I think the biggest thing is uh, pray for the work here. I really believe that the reason the gospel is exploding in, in different parts of the city is because there have been uh, especially sisters, but also brothers um, across the city who've been praying for many, many years um, for revival and for um, renewal and for churches to be planted. And uh, so it's been exciting in just the 15 uh, years that I've been in, in and out of the city to see churches now, um, strong and faithful churches being planted across the city. There's a lot of good things that are happening here. There's nothing easy about the work here in New York City. There's nothing easy about life here. So if you know people who are here and working here, for the sake of the gospel, um, lift them up in prayer and uh, for their families as well. I tell people that the challenging part about life in New York is not for me, it's more for my wife who's uh, in a small house with three young boys um, and uh, about a 15 minute from the walk from the park, you know, that's where the real challenge comes. All right, well, uh, God bless you and uh, keep up your good work. And uh, <clears throat> again, thanks for taking the time. Tell Lindsay, now you can go help with the boys there a little bit, right? But, uh, uh, and thanks, uh, thanks for the family taking the time to do this. And, and we love you, and uh, we will continue to pray for you. Thanks, Caleb. Thanks a lot. Melt my heart and fill my life. Give me one soul today.